0: Welcome to the Modern Cotton Story podcast. I'm Ray Daniels, North American Sustainability Manager here at BASF Agricultural Solutions, and Program Lead for the E3 Sustainable Cotton Program. And welcome to today's show. As always, I'm joined by my intrepid co-host, Mr. Bob Anishak, partner with the Gertsey Textile Organization. Hey, Bob, how's it going? Ray, it's doing great. You know, I can't complain. We we missed the uh, hurricane, right?
1: And the weather is actually kind of nice over here in Nashville today. Also, your way.
0: It's great to hear. It's actually, you know, say, near northern uh, northern Georgia, things are going well. But, uh, you know, we also, our heart goes out to those people in southern Georgia and the Carolinas who the uh, storm has passed over. We haven't yet heard what uh, the condition of the crop is going to be uh, after the passing of the hurricane. Fingers crossed that things pan out well. But, uh, again, our thoughts are, are out there with our farmers and our, all those affected by the path of the storm. And hopefully everybody can make it through okay. Well, on a a positive note, I'm really happy to introduce today's guest, Jacqueline Noble, who has spent many years in the apparel industry as a sourcing executive, materials and supply chain expert, and uh, we're happy to have her here today. Hi, Jacqueline. How are you?
2: Hi, Ray. I'm very well. Thanks for um, having me on the program. And uh, it's great to be here with Bob, whom I know very well. Um, I hope you guys are getting the last of the summer. In before we have to head back to the beginning of September, is always, uh, a fun time. Uh, the weather in New York is great here, also. So, we're getting some wonderful weather here. And yeah, I'm just happy to be on the show today and chatting with both of you on my favorite topics textiles, cotton, sustainability. They're all good topics. So, and before we start, I just want to compliment you on the show. Um, I've been binge listening to the show because Bob introduced me to it a few weeks ago and I binge listened. It's a fabulous show, great content, excellent guests. So I'm going to be teaching in the fall and I'm going to be introducing a whole new cohort of students to the show. So excellent. Well done,
0: Rachel. Well, thank you for that. That's incredible. I appreciate that. That's, that's very, it's a, thank you. We, we know you'll add to that today, so thank you so much. Well, Jacqueline, you, um, you know, I was going to say, you have a very accomplished career in the field of sustainability. You've held senior positions with organizations like Spanx, Gloria Jeans, BF, uh, and American Eagle, and that's just to name a few. But over the years, you've uh, been particularly interested in raw materials like cotton uh, from fabric to yarns. Uh, would you mind talking about your background so our listeners can learn more about you?
2: Yeah. Um, but do we have a couple of hours? Because I've been around for a long time. And I know you emphasized that at the beginning of the show. I was like, you know, like, oh, it was just um I definitely have um you probably guessed that I'm not from America. So I started off my career in a small village in Scotland. And um it was a mining village actually, uh, with met mining heritage. So close to the earth very rural and more steeped in sheep and wool than cotton obviously coming from scotland but i entered the textile industry from school um and i never left so i've been in the industry for quite a while um it's been a fabulous career i have to say it's taken me all over the world many many times both living and traveling and I have created some of the best friends, um, Bob being one of them here on the show today and some really professional, um, knowledgeable people that I've spent my whole life with. So I'm super happy that I stayed in the industry because originally after I got my degree, um, out of the, and shout out to Harry Watt or the Scottish College of Textiles that was those days. Um, I started to work actually out of college, my first job was handling corn. So I was a development technologist in the East coast of Scotland uh, for, um, we were producing knit fabrics, would you believe it, for Marks and Spencer's t-shirts. Now I'm gonna age myself incredibly. That was happening in the UK. So that's kind of crazy stuff that I live and breathed in that space. And um, so I was lucky enough to get my hands on cotton very early in my career, and experience it at the machine on the shop floor, which was an incredible experience. Um, and they were employing, um, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in the UK on textiles and um, garment making, and the and at that time. But then there was a mass exodus to offshore, and I was very young in my, my career. Um, I really wasn't aware of what was happening because I didn't watch the news. I was very young. I didn't really take in the full scope of what was actually happening and how it would change my life. Um, But I ended up um, putting a rucksack on my back, stepping out of the industry and going around the world for two years and thinking I was never going to go into the textile industry and, and find myself in Hong Kong. Where in those days, the textile jobs in Hong Kong, the paper was two inches deep with textile jobs in Hong Kong itself. And I had a textile degree. So the stars aligned again and I found myself back in the textile industry. And, um, you know, the rest is history. I spent seven years in Hong Kong. Um, I really cut my teeth on the production side of the business there um, because it was sink or swim. It was a little bit like the wild west or maybe actually a wild beast um, because they just threw you in to whatever was going on. And, um, and I was a kid. So I just went wherever they told me to go. I'd be horrified. My kids did it today, but it was a super experience. And I have to say I personally benefited from that exodus, but I'm now feeling very close to what's the next move. You know, where is it moving next in terms of the world is always changing. And so you know, very interested to see what happens in the Western hemisphere um, as well now as that evolves um, and you know certainly Africa, and they have a huge input into cotton also so that's kind of um where I leave off in terms of my career and i've I've done you know pretty much um a lot of the major retailers and supporting them and I now support them from the well, supported global teams around the world. Now I try to support them in their sustainability journey and their roadmap to sustainability um, from the outside. I'm also getting into teaching. I will be teaching at FIT this fall on textile production and uh, fashion marketing at the Dolan School of Business in Greenfield, um University. So shout out to both schools because my students are going to be listening to this when it's recorded. and shout out to them. And um, you're going to have, you know, I've got 50 students enrolled. And so I'm glad to say that it's, um, you know, people have, I really still have a really healthy interest in the fashion industry, which is really phenomenal. Um, and we have a real, um, you know, I have a real passion for education and bringing that next a set of leaders through the pipeline to know how to deal with the sustainability issues um, that are ahead of us and how they can impact them.
1: Gosh, Jacqueline, it's going to be long. No, I tell you, terrific. I mean, I've really always enjoyed hearing about your background. You've worked for so many interesting companies. You've been all over the world. Uh, It's really neat. So your background is like incredible. So you're like perfect for our program in terms of like bringing perspective from elsewhere in the supply chain that you use cotton your experience with it you actually work with it uh, on a factory floor you know i mean not a lot of people can say that particularly if they're say down retail <laughs> you know yeah, some do yeah. but not most know so but one of the big things i know that you and i've talked a lot about this and and i know Ray's been interested in this too is kind of like what, some, of the great, some of the big challenges facing the, like, like the apparel business, the apparel industry, the retail business and so on. Um, one of the big challenges is uh, environmental sustainability. How do, you, how do you see the industry taking that on? Are they doing a good job? I know some are interested, some aren't, but how do you see that uh, unfolding?
2: Well, I personally see that there are two types of sustainable environment that we have to consider. And both are challenges or huge opportunities, uh, which depending on which side of the coin you look at. um, So the first one is the impact of the planet, Obviously, that affects many major industries um, across the world. And the other is impact societally. We have, um, you know, a lot to do in the textile industry with um, fair wages, um, people being able to make a fair living out of the products that are produced. And both need to be environmentally sustainable. And the environments that people work in are just as important as the um, the impact to the planet. So I think um, for the impact um, to the planet, we have not moved the needle a little bit. I don't think it's enough. Obviously, it's not enough because we're not hitting our target. But especially at the supplier level, I'm fairly encouraged that because manufacturers saw rising costs and they needed to be energy efficient. Uh, they've embraced recycle. They've embraced um, sustainable ma- methods of manufacture because they had to reduce costs. And there's some amazing facilities around the world focusing even more on how to be conscious. I think um, legislation has gone some way, like the waterways are not green now when somebody dies green for the day. And you know, back in the day, the water would turn green when somebody was dying that color that day. Um, So I think legislation has gone some of the way, but we have like many industries a long way to go. I think on the flip side of that, retailers have taken a backseat to the manufacturers and asked the supply chain to really carry most of the change. And while not really fostering or moving away from partnerships, um, that would enable commitments to support the efforts more robustly. So I think that retailers need to um, certainly make commitments to supply chains because it's, it's certainly on the cotton side, it's extremely hard for farmers to invest in a regenerative change and take all the liability, all the costs with no commitment. I think that's unrealistic of our industry to expect that to happen. So there has to be a change from the retail side. The retailers, I think, need to start focusing on longer term, better quality products, planning year round. Um, Those are things that will change um, if we can focus on core fabrics, certainly for this type of program, and they would really move the needle. I find that leadership When leadership gets behind the sustainability initiatives um, and the impacts of the planet, like we see Patagonia, Eileen Fisher, those types of brands, we see more advances happening. So leadership in corporations really needs to take this seriously and know that it is their responsibility to change uh, and make the change happen because it's the right thing to do. Morally, it's the right thing to do for our industry and our customer. So that's the impact of the planet part of it. And secondly, the social concern with the rise of fast fashion. Um, it makes earning a living wage, uh, really hard in our industry, especially for women and 70% of the workforce in textiles is women, usually at the shop floor level and they're supporting families. And I think it's the statistic, if I remember correctly, it's like one to 2% of those women reach leadership levels so we have a lot of ways to go on social environmental change and we need to be a fair wage employer there's no ifs or buts about it we have to look at the products that we're producing and we have to pay a little bit more attention to the social environment um it's a double whammy for our industry definitely we have a long way to go um but we have to make the changes faster so you know, we're not going to hit the targets. So we have a very small window to try to ch- switch that around in hitting our um, environmental targets. Um, nobody likes to be regulated. I think we've spent 20 years non-regulated on these issues. I think it's time now for reg- for some regulations to come in. And I think Europe is gonna, is leading the charge on that, which is really great. It will trickle through to the US also as people export to all over the world. And I have faith because I've worked in the retailers that once they hit these regulations, they can turn it around and they can make it happen. um, And they can find a way. We saw it during COVID, they pivoted. um, uh, The Uyghur was a painful episode, but they did um, pivot when regulations were put in place. And um, I've seen it recently in a visit uh, in 2019, I was able to visit Uzbekistan and I saw the change in that country after legislation. And I was really happy to see that um, they had modernized, they were efficient, their factories were state-of-the-art and they, were at, they actually were at the uh, textile show in New York in July and back in the manufacturing framework. So we know that legislation can change things. Um, it's time. And um, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that the textile industry will step up to the plate. I've seen that happen many times before, and I think it can.
0: Well, well, I thank you for sharing that, Jacqueline. I love how you touched on all three elements of sustainability from the environmental aspect, and obviously from the downstream input impact of what happens in the supply chain, also on the social aspect paid a fair wage, and I, I really loved how, in both of those topics, you underline the fact that there's an economic component that, you know, farmers um, have to be taken, you know, we have to take in consideration the risk that the farmers take on making these regenerative changes, and then on the social side, the, the, the ability to earn a living wage and a fair wage for what work is done. So I think, I, I love how you tie all three of those together, and I think it's really important. It shows all three elements in this whole um Sustainability conversation here in the textile space, but shifting that, yeah, you know, over to the cotton. Looking at raw materials, I know you had a, a, fin- a obviously a long history and an experience with cotton, but I'm kind really of interested to know your opinion of that material as a as a as a, uh, as a viable, uh sustainable raw material for the supply chains. So, I mean, how do you see cotton usefulness in apparel design and? and its overall effectiveness as a, what we'll consider a sustainable raw material.
2: Well, I think organic was the first step. Um, And it was concerned with really avoiding chemicals and pesticides. So that was the first step of the sustainable journey for cotton. I got involved in that in the early 2000s, making the first organic product for Victoria's Secret. Secret. So we've been on the organic journey um for that 20 years now um with corn i think most recently what i'm really excited about is that regenerative goes a way above and beyond that this and um it's the it's a much deeper dive into the you know nature supporting nature improving soil biodiversity i think those are things that will really resonate with the consumer um in terms of if you know we can really um tie those pieces together with the environment and people can see that it really affects the biodiversity of our planet i think that's a huge topic and i'm really excited about how that's evolving for cotton and i think that it's really the modern cotton story right we're talking about the modern cotton story today and and to me that the change um It's fundamentally, you know, being able to also help us design into product that has end-of-life capabilities, like a closed-loop product. I think cotton has the first real advantage in talking about closed-loop and being able to produce into that. So that should um, really excite designers if it doesn't, that's a huge missed opportunity. I think designers really can embrace cotton for that type of close-to-look um, process of design. I was so happy. Recently, I was at ITMA in um, Italy, which is a textile garment and technology exhibition. Bob was there also. And we went to Milan and um, this June. And a shout-out to the exhibition. Everybody needs to go to Ipmouth there in our textile industry. They need to go because they're going to see some amazing technological advances. And what was really quite amazing was the recyclers that were there. I had never seen that at the show before. There was a real depth of interest in the recycle area and cotton itself is really ripe for that um, type of recycling uh, regenerative. farming, we can now link from regenerative farming to efficient manufacturing, to recycling, to end of life design, because once cotton is no longer used, it can go back into the soil and it doesn't really affect, or it actually probably enhances the soil. So um, the infrastructure is a reality in cotton, whereas it might not be such a reality on synthetics or certainly um, spandex type products, a much bigger challenge. Um, so I'm I'm I was happy to see that. I think Europe's leading the way in the recycling. Certainly, um, there are a lot of companies coming out there like Renew Cell, um, and um many brands um are accepting products back for recycling in cotton, denim industry being one example of that. So I think that the story, the modern story of cotton is in that closed loop scenario
0: definitely how
1: important is uh, transparency in supply chains that's question one question two second part of it is is you know everybody measures or they try to come up with metrics that are important in terms of measuring so-called sustainability in quotes you know water usage soil health and so on um do you think brands really care about that stuff or is it really just marketing you know when you when you hear things They'll they'll put something on a garment, let's say. Um,
2: So, yeah, I'll break it down into two parts in my head. I think that uh, transparency is what keeps retailers up at night. I think that is a real issue for retailers. Um, You know, we touched on the weaker issue. We touched on that being really hard once the legislation hit, it hit fast. And retailers really don't travel. That much transparency into our supply chain. Our supply chain has um, historically been closed, heavily guarded secret. You know, not a little. You know, more than a little disjointed in terms of how it operates from supplier to supplier. Um, so I think that retailers, um, some can get to the bottom if they have bigger teams, but um, even then, it might be more of a manual process um, because the tools don't exist. Um, We're so in need of a technology revamp in our industry. And I'm hopeful that IA will lead us to a more transparent place in the supply chain. Um, There are certain companies uh, that are, you know, trying to dynamically map global supply supply chains now. Um, Altana is one of them, I know for sure. And... um, There are many more that are coming onto the landscape that will be able to help in that space, but we need those implementations to come much quicker than they actually are in the textile space. Um, And, you know, it's going to also help with our inclusivity um, and, you know, our ability to see face-to-face the people that are making our product. So it will enhance all aspects. Of the supply chain not just because you know who is manufacturing but you have some real contact people who are manufacturing the people in the fields the people who are picking the crop. you know those transparencies are essential um go forward so transparency i think all day long the retailers would love some help in that space i think it's hard for them and they're in the business of retailing and they need some support and in terms of tools to get to the bottom line with that one. Metrics. I think we all care about metrics. You know, if nothing is uh, measured, then it really doesn't seem real. So I think even as consumers, we care about metrics. Um, But I think we're a ways away from dealing with that right now. Um, I think number one is the transparency If we could get that nailed this the, um, the supply chain, I think the metrics can come. I think that the the problem with the metrics is that they we're still working and debating on what the baseline of the metrics should be, how to report accurately how and what that message should be, what the wording can be. I think Europe is trying to get their arms around that now in terms of labeling what you can say, what you can't say um, and I think it's. Making some retailers step a little bit back from the conversation simply because they don't know what to say and they don't know how to measure it. And with all the will in the world, you know, they're trying, but they just are afraid to say things now. And so I think we have to quickly bring in a baseline, bring in right ways to speak about things and right ways to test things and baselines because that's the only way we're going to be able to talk about it effectively as an industry so yes metrics are important i think we're a little bit away from solid metrics
0: so jacqueline i i know you have a strong passion for cotton as 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 do i i think it's bob here as well and a strong passion for the industry I mean, for me, spending my time in the, in the agriculture industry and just last year working closely with the, the textile and apparel industry in this, in this space with the E3 program, I'd, gotta be, I'd be curious to know if there are any other things that you'd like to know about cotton. Have you had a chance to visit farms over the past number of years? And have you had a chance to visit you know, farms here or, or abroad? I would just love to hear some of what you've learned and kind of what you'd like to know more about.
2: So yes, I have visited um, uh, cotton farms, mostly in the US. Funnily enough, I haven't gone to the farm level overseas. Now that, I'm not sure until you ask the question why that should be, but um, really the US does a much better job at bringing people to the farm, I think, generally speaking. Um, And you know, I hope to take my students hopefully um, to see some farms as well as me we move along in, the, in that space. Um, I guess my takeaway from the relationship um, in the retail environment for sure on farms is that it, I think in the cotton supply chain generally, it's just more difficult to get a relationship with cotton supply chain. I think that the synthetic supply chain for me, as a retailer, living in the retail environment has been much easier to get that relationship going. And I am not a hundred percent sure. I mean, I know the Nelit, the Fulgars, the Lycras, the Hoi songs of this world. They're in my business. They're in my world. They're garnering for projections. I haven't felt the same from the cotton supply chain and I am not really hundred percent sure of the reason of that but I would guess it's maybe because it's less vertical in its production could be um or maybe it's just down to education maybe we've just gotten used to that being a cheaper commodity that we really don't have to worry too much about but you know what um we do now because it impacts our environment and we are going to have to pay more If we want to make these changes and therefore we're going to have to get the relationship solidly worked out. Um, and still, I think that, um, we want to go down the sustainable route with cotton, those relationships are imperative. Um, yeah.
1: Well, as a, as a follow up to that, to raise question, Jacqueline, um, is there anything that the cotton industry can do in terms of better, to your point, kind of better connecting? Do you have any suggestions? in terms of better connecting with brands and and, apparel companies and so on?
2: So I think that, um, you have to, I think the industry has to push, they have to push for the airspace. You know, they have to be in the retailers. They have to be visiting them constantly. They have to be asking them what they're looking for. They have to be seeing it through their eyes. Um, You know, they have to. I think most retailers would be very happy to understand they have a champion that can get them all the way to a tier three or tier four level of the cotton industry. I think right now they're stuck at tier two, and getting below that in the cotton industry is really tough. So I think if you can link the pathway up for them, I think they would jump. You know, I think that they're happy and and uh, eager to find how to get to that pathway. So that's one. Um, if we can bring in the solutions of the transparency on that supply chain all day long, uh, we made huge efforts as we moved out of Asia in um supply to bring um, USA cotton into the supply chain. And it, it was relatively easy. Not relatively easy from a logistics perspective, But from a communication perspective, it was relatively easy. So the communication is there. I just don't know why it hasn't been used up to now and it had to be a forced issue. Um, I know cost is always an issue. So I think um, finding those circular product solutions that can make a difference, being able to help the retailers understand about the route, the price, the possible solution, that would lead them to a more sustainable product. Those we have to see from their eyes and help them to build those solutions internally. Um, you know, uh, and be that, that product passport for them. Product passports are coming down the line. We're going to have to have them anyway. Help them to start building it. Um, and they would be happy to to understand how to do that. I think marketing is another piece of the, is the of the puzzle, you know. Um, we had the fabric of our lives, cotton ink. You know, that is really a great slogan. But what's next? What does the younger customer want to have? What are they looking to hear from the cotton industry as a young consumer? What did they feel and need? I think we have to get those messages out there. And Um, creating the stories about the people that are impacted by these um, regenerative cotton farming techniques and how that impacts their lives, how it impacts us from less chemicals. Those are messages that really need to come forth. And the retailer will really value that because they don't know how to explain it. They are not in your space. They're not sitting beside the farmers all day. So So they need they need to hear what those messages can be. Even if we don't have the full measurements right now, we know there's an impact. So we have to form new relationships, break the old habits of, you know, separated supply chains. And I think Cotton is in a prime position to do that.
0: Thank you, plano And thank you, Bob, for that question. I, you know, what it sounds like is it's a lot about relationships and that connection piece of connecting the different parts in the supply chain, connecting the different stakeholders and the the metrics and all the other pieces together in a way that helps create a more transparent and visible space. So thank you for that explanation and for answering all these questions today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, That was an incredible discussion. What's um, Jacqueline, what's the best way for our listeners to reach out to you? Should they have any further questions about what they heard from you today or would like to follow up with you in person?
2: So yeah, um, so first of all, I want to thank you and Bob uh, for inviting me on the show. I really had a fun time, really enjoyed it. It's my first podcast absolutely made it seamless. Thank you so much. And I hope it's a call to action. Um, a few more solutions, a few more people thinking about the change. It's a really great uh, platform that you have and we need to get it out more. So hopefully I can... Uh, Help you with a few more. It's certainly young um, people coming into the industry to hear this platform is excellent. Everybody needs to have this open type of information available to them. Um, I can be reached at LinkedIn. I love to communicate on LinkedIn. So you can put my LinkedIn on the platform. And I also have an email, Jacqueline Noble at Lindsay, um, LindsayNobleGroup.com. So you can contact me there. Also, happy to have those in the footnotes and to communicate with anybody
0: on this topic. Great, we'll do that. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for all the, the kind comments and for being a part of this today. Also, I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us and hope you enjoyed today's show. Should you have any questions for Jacqueline, uh, we'll include her information on how to reach out. Uh, or if you have questions about the E3 cotton program, or just want to learn how to get involved, please email me at e3cotton at BASF.com. Also, be sure to visit us on Facebook and Instagram, put those together, uh, at e3sustainablecotton. If uh, this is your first time listening to this podcast, please be sure to follow us. And if you're a long time listener, thank you. But also please, be, uh, please share this podcast with a friend and spread the word. Thank you everybody for joining us today. We'll see you next time.